I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back. It's the Lions 24-7 podcast. Sean Fitz, Tyler Donahue with you as we get underway with February. And the first Wednesday of February is when we record. And of course, that means it is National Signing Day across college football and I wish I could tell you this is our big signing day extravaganza episode, but we already covered that in December with the early signing period. 15 guys signed uh, during that December signing period, but we've got one more to discuss here because Davon Townley, a name that you are probably well familiar with by this point if you listen to the podcast or check out the site at Lions 24-7, did indeed pick the Nittany Lions. We're going to talk about Uh, some coaching staff alterations, our first chance to get into a media session with Mike Yersich, the new offensive coordinator. And we also have to address the uh, massive departure uh, of Tyler Bowen, who did a lot for Penn State's football program, not just the tight ends coach, but uh, a man who wore many hats and and did a great job here for three seasons with Penn State. Moving on to the NFL, we're going to get into all that, but we start with this edition, Sean Townley. Uh, I texted you yesterday on Tuesday and I said, what's the optimism feeling like with this kid? And you gave me an LOL. Uh, so that that kind of encapsulated where this was down the stretch. A hard one to tell all the way to the wire. Well, it, it was it was in the bag at that point in the sense that we, we followed this 2021 class. So until the ink was dry, and by the way, he's been officially announced by Penn State, so he is officially in this class. I, I compared him to Diego Pounds is a situation where we got quotes about Diego committing to Penn State the week of his commitment. And then all of a sudden he turns around and flips to UNC. So uh, this this cycle has a shell shocked. Not going to lie, it's it's been one of those ones. It's just like everything that can go wrong is going to go wrong. We had reason to believe, at least for the last week or two, that Davon Townley was going to go to Penn State. But you never know how things are going to go up. So uh, it was just it was one of those situations where like you know what. We've got this one. We've got the story. We've got everything going, and everything seems to be pointing to Penn State's way. But it's the 2021 cycle, so something's going to happen at the end. It's just going to flip it on its head. Uh, luckily, that did not happen. Davon Townley announcing for Penn State live on CBS Sports HQ with our guy Steve Wilfong. Uh, just a, a lot to like about this one in the sense that Penn State needed DNs very bad. I mean, this has not a been not been a secret this entire cycle. This cycle has been sort of just uh, four cycles in one when you consider the, what they've been able to do at defensive end and what they haven't been able to do at defensive end. You got the coaching change where Sean Spencer goes uh, to the New York Giants. So that flips that recruiting board on its head. John Scott Jr. comes in. John Scott Jr. can't host visits. And that's uh, that's something that really, um, you know, hindered them throughout the process. And, you know, he hasn't been the the effusive recruiter that some of the other guys they brought in have been. Um, and I think that, that that's hurt. Now you've got a guy like Deion Barnes trying to pick up the slack, but really it just hasn't, hasn't clicked to this to this point. So for Penn State to get two of those guys, uh, Davon Townley joining Rodney McGraw, who's already on campus as a January enrollee, it's a big, um, you know, it's a big step forward. It's not, they're not all the way there from that aspect. I mean, you, you would really have liked to sign three defensive ends and this was going to be a small class anyway, but always gone. Tony's gone. Shane Simmons is gone. Nothing's going to come in and, and immediately change the, uh, the 2021 depth chart. So you went out and got Arnold Ebikiti. It's just there's so many moving parts here, and not everything is moving at the same speed. You bring in Ebikiti to to probably put a, uh, on the opposite side of Adisa Isaac. Nick Tarburton's been hurt his entire career. Smith Vilbert really hasn't shown anything to date that that you know gives you a ton of confidence that he can come in and upset that 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 starting lineup. But I mean, it's just uh, and then you've got guys like Bryce Mostella and McGraw and Townley who are you know. Very athletic guys, big guys, rangy guys. They're trying to get bigger at that position, but 
you know, it's going to take a couple of years for all these guys to, to fill out. So Townley is, uh, is, is another one of those projects at defensive end. Um, you know, it's, it, it's, it's a big get in the sense that they needed numbers there. They needed talent there and they need to develop there. That's where those boxes are checked. But the other end, uh, defensive end still, still very, very much up in the air, even with the commitment of Davon Townley. Davon Townley, a big name to know here on February 3rd, 2021, when it comes to on field for the Penn State and the Lions in game action. We may be waiting until 2023, maybe beyond. We'll see how his progression goes. The guy who's going to get to campus down the road here, as you mentioned, Rondia McGraw, among those seven early enrollees who got to campus a couple weeks ago. But another kid who, a little bit late to the football field, seems to be further ahead in his physical development than where Townley may be right now at six foot six. 220 pounds. You see a basketball kind of physique right now with this kid. Uh, you can project him out 25 pounds later. Think about what you may not have. And, and look, we've seen guys get to campus. Uh, Adiza Isaac is a great example. Brenton Strange on the other side of the football in recent years where you know we get a look at them when they show up on campus. And then the next time we see them, they're like different dudes. So maybe Davon Townley is that kind of a guy who's, who's going to be able to pack on that weight and be, be comfortable with it. Maybe it's going to take more time for him. But the assessment with Townley right now, when you look at his 24-7 sports profile, four-star in the composite, a four-star in the 24-7 sports review, a 90 rating for Townley, considered the number four talent out of the state of Minnesota, um, the number 18 strong side defensive end in 24-7 sports evaluation as well. And uh, Sean, for the second consecutive time now, you had the late addition of wide receiver Harrison Wallace in December out of Alabama one of the three four-star wide receivers in this recruiting classic hit who was just inside that top 24-7 that came out recently. And now you got Townley, another blue-chip prospect out of Minneapolis. Neither of them ever got to campus. Penn State did not go, uh, you know, they played it pretty conservative near the stretch in terms of putting out late offers to guys who hadn't been to campus, trying to build up a recruiting class that now stands at 16 with the high school guys. You tack on five transfers who are coming in, four of them already on campus. And, you know, it's an interesting mesh between the transfer class, which is, you know, you throw in a couple of non-scholarship guys and you're all of a sudden at, at seven guys in there. And, and now you've got 16 players with this, with this recruiting class coming out of the high school realm. And Townley never got to campus. Wallace never got to campus. I don't know what that's going to mean long term for them staying on this roster. Um, it's a new wrinkle, but there, uh, it's been a while now since James Franklin conceded the fact that they would need to make moves like this and that college football programs across the country would need to come to the realization that you're just not going to be able to get to the finish line in this recruiting cycle feeling as, as you normally would in terms of comfort level. It will be another couple of years until we we understand the self-scouting that they're going to have to do based off of this cycle, how much they learned about themselves and how much they learned about their processes throughout this cycle. Because these last two guys, Trey Wallace and Davon Townley, are, are two guys that really, um, you know, you kind of put in a separate uh, category than the guys that they brought in when they went on that run in the spring. Because, I mean, you're looking at guys who some of them you know, um, both those guys got to play senior football, but you, you're you're trying to figure out whether or not you're scouting, um, you know, for a guy that's going to be able to come in and play right away, for a guy that's going to come in three years from now. And if you don't have numbers on those guys, testing numbers, accurate size numbers and things like that, and we saw Penn State do this a lot, especially over the summer, you kind of back away from these guys. So it, it's, like I said, it, it's a couple cycles in one, and it's been really probably frustrating to follow because you've got these guys that are seemingly, okay, um, you know, they've got a good offer list, but really offer list didn't mean anything in this cycle. And that's really how college football recruiting has evolved in a, as a whole. But th- schools just throwing out offers to be, you know, in the mix, in, in, the, in the conversation, then they would decide to go with that. And Penn State's guilty of that too. Everybody does it. Um, but it's just really funny to see how this thing came along. And then you add the balancing act of the, uh, the transfer portal, and that really changed a lot of things where uh, – but Elliott wrote something where, you know, you could take a guy – Maybe like a Townley, maybe like a Wallace, a guy that you don't know how they're going to physically develop, or you could hold out. You could not take a guy like that, and obviously Penn State did, but you could not take a guy like that, and you could grab a guy that's been established in a weight program for a couple of years and, and go with that. And I think 
you know, college coaches, the more they hear something like that says, okay, we don't have to do as much, not so much the development. We don't have to do as much as the building this guy up or tearing this guy down and building him back up. We can get a ready-made guy. He can help us on the field earlier. That sounds pretty good to me. So there's a big balancing act going on Penn State with just 16 commitments uh, from the high school class. But that, that five, that number of five uh, uh, transfers that they're bringing in is huge compared to, to schools across the country, especially ones that don't have big coaching changes. So I think that's been a really interesting dynamic to this cycle. We're going to get in it with 24-7 sports, I believe I read on an internal email or Slack or something. We're going to get to ranking these guys by February or March. So I'm curious to see if that sort of folds into the the, the uh, team recruiting rankings because really it that's what it is now. I mean that that that's something that is something or something that I'm saying something a lot. Uh, that's something that all schools are dealing with, and that's something that's now very, very much part of this process from the high school and the transfer level. So it'll it'll be really interesting to see, you know, if we do do decide to combine them, if we do decide to to go from from that aspect, because it is it is sort of vital to this cycle. And you throw in the fact that you've got guys on campus this year who haven't played organized football since 2019, and that adds another layer to this experiment and oh by the way you're essentially combining them collectively with that 2020 class in terms of eligibility everybody whether it's a guy who played a ton like a a Kevon Lee last year or or you know a a fourth string tight end like Tyler Warren they all maintain that freshman eligibility you signed 25 guys out of the high school level last year um, you know, one guy already out of the equation early because of some off-field stuff, and then your quarterback in that group, Micah Bowens, now with another program. So that number's gone down a bit, but that's a huge volume of freshman players. Uh, maybe not as big as we thought it could be because you're only bringing in those 16 here in 2021. Um, and, and just taking a look at this group, and Sean, we've said for a long time, a lot of people are going to remember this cycle. Well, aside from the, the fact that COVID loomed large over it. With, with the Penn State misses, and a lot of that is going to be in-state. You get one in-state player, uh, Lonnie White, who's ranked inside the top 10 among Pennsylvania prospects. I think he finished at number seven in that group, a kid who, as we've said, is going to have a decision to make with his baseball future as well. Um, but but you look down the line here, the guys they brought in early, uh, who they just added with Davon Townley. Um, what is your kind of assessment? You, you've seen several of these classes. You've now seen eight of these classes under the direction of James Franklin. This one kind of goes into its own vacuum because of the circumstances. But what's your overall, you know, I, I guess, takeaway from what we've seen transpire here and, and discussing on the podcast just ad nauseum for several, several months? Well, not only is it is it in its own vacuum for the the sake of you know it's a top what twenty five class and and he's brought in fairly consistently higher classes than that, but also you look at the twenty twenty two class and it's completely different. So you know you're hoping if you're a Penn State fan it's an anomaly and you know that twenty two class will at some point open up to visits and things like that. So crazy things can happen, uh, but at the same time it it seems like more of an anomaly when you look at the buzz that they have moving forward. Uh, going back to your point. Uh, it's not about the guys they got. And I think we've said that a bunch. You, I think you got some quality players in here. You got some high ceiling guys. Uh, you got some guys that, you know, can potentially contribute early in the case of, you know, Kalen King and, and, and guys like that. Landon Tangwall might be a guy that can do that. Um, but you look back on this entire cycle, just frustrating. So frustrating to, to seemingly be in it. And then just, you know, you, you, you don't get the chance to, to host these guys on visits. It takes away your, you know, the biggest ace you have in terms of getting that feeling when you step on camp. Which is huge, huge for Penn State and has been the last couple of, of cycles. But there's just so many what ifs. I mean, you got Rucci, you've got Derek Davis, you've got, uh, you know, you could just go down the list of guys that you thought, we mentioned Diego Pounds was committed and, you know, ended up flipping to UNC a couple of days before he announced. I mean, it's just there, there's so many guys that you could just rehash and go over and say, okay, Penn State lost these, this guy, Penn State lost out on that guy. And it's true. I mean, it, it, it's, a, it's a cycle with, with many, as I think I've said, body blows more than any other. Time in my life, uh, you know, than I have or during this cycle. Um, but it's just, it's frustrating. And, and you got to be frustrated if you're in that building. You got to feel good about how you've come out of this and gone into the 22 class. But there's a lot of questions about how, you know, how, how you kind of let that happen. And that's uh, something that, again, we probably won't know for another couple of years. And, and you study your best practices, you study how this thing went, and, and, and you see how you can get better from that. And that's really the only thing that you can take out of it as a staff. You can't, you know, you can't. Uh, just harp on, you know, okay, Rucci might be starting against us for a couple of years down the road at Wisconsin, et cetera, et cetera. 
Um, you know, it's it, it it's a tough thing to stomach, but you gotta face the reality that this this cycle was not at all what you planned it out to be. I've said it before, 2022, the top five guys who have already announced the college commitment in the state of Pennsylvania all intend to play their college football in Happy Valley. So I don't know if you can look at this situation and say things are trending terribly because right in front of your face here, although we've got a full calendar year until that class is finalized, what an extraordinary start that that class has been able to get done. And I'll say this again, too, for for a program that was 0-5 and not able to get a lot of familiarity face-to-face with its coaching staff, with its prospects, with the commits and each other and their families and no official visits – to go 0-5 and to be kind of blasted, not just here locally, but on the national stage as a major disappointment for this college football season and not lose a single commitment. If, if folks who have listened to the podcast have been checking in with our recent episodes, you've heard from Christian Veyu, uh, from Landon Tengwall, from Nate Bruce, and heard their thoughts on why they thought the group stayed together. But to me, that's part of it. And I think, you know, we, we hear this across different corners of college football right now where there feels like there's major bonds coming in with some of these recruiting classes. And it's strange to say that because they haven't had that face-to-face familiarity. But they've gone through a hell of an experience together. They're going to have a chip on their shoulder this class, not just at Penn State, but across college football. Guys lost their senior football seasons. Guys maybe felt like they didn't get a- enough recruiting looks because of the situation. Um, and and throw in the fact that this group is coming in off of a four- and five-year, uh, they sound like a very motivated bunch. Take that for what you will. They just they're coming in and off a situation that no class has really dealt with at Penn State during these recent years. Of course, it's it's been a lot of guys talking about we are the final piece to go from great to elite. We are the final piece to go from number ten in the final poll to playing in a college football playoff game. And you've got guys like Christian and Nate and Landon telling us we never want to see this program experience something like that start to the season ever again and we're going to do what we can to help ensure that happens i think from a from a covering recruiting standpoint and and a lot you know i've seen a lot in the time that i've covered recruiting there's a couple things that they should get credit for they probably won't uh because that's not just a, a lot of people just you know view it as the black and white uh you know results or everything type thing but two things that they did really well just two commitments in this in this uh cycle or excuse me two decommitments in this in this cycle um, Dante Thornton was in, I think, August of 2019. Nick Elksness was the start, the very start of March That's in 2020. Wild. I mean, none so, in the pandemic when, none, when the pandemic was the fully pa- on. Exactly. None during the pandemic and guys that, you know, you know, for, for lack of a better term, just to found, uh, more appealing options to them. I know Dante Thornton always wanted to go to Oregon. Uh, and, and that's a thing where you look at what Penn State started in 22. They've got numbers in that class and you probably, I don't know if it's a situation like if Dante Thornton's in the 2022 class and he's committed right now as as he was at this point during the during uh, that cycle, you know, he, there's probably a greater chance that he sticks around. Now, Nick Elkson's guy from Florida, obviously Florida has always been a, a constant. His parents down there, that's probably one that would flip on its head, no doubt. But to go that long, to go the entire pandemic and not have a decommitment, I think it says something. And I also think it's st- you know it, it sort of uh, goes into my second point here. It didn't do a lot of reaching in this class. You look at the guys that they could have had, and we and we said it probably during that that long string during the summer or you know early in the fall where they weren't getting commitments. You could go out and get guys. I mean, you could go find guys that were you know even power five commits and things like that. If you didn't think they could could you know cut it at Penn State, and we've seen Penn State reach on some guys and bring in some guys that certainly did not belong here. They didn't do that this cycle. They held off. Would they take Budden in July? And then it was Dinkins in September, September yeah. October, and then Trey Wallace and then Davon Townley. I mean, that's four commitments over the last uh, six months of the cycle, six and a half months of the cycle. And you, you really didn't see a ton of, okay, we're going to look at this guy, check him out. How close is he to that line? Eh, he's, he's right at that line or just under. Okay. Don't need them. We'll figure that out, and eventually they've figured that out by the transfer portal. So that's a that to me is impressive. I know the the black and white results of uh, you've got a lot of misses in this class, and absolutely deserve criticism. Absolutely deserve to be critiqued for the way that they you know missed out on some of these guys, and we'll be talking about it for a long time. But at the same time, how they manage their guys and how they manage what they were trying to do, it seems like it it, it came together fairly well at, at the end. And the scary part, of course, is there's. 
they're just you, you're we're talking about Penn State, you know, being able to kind of tread water here, not lose guys. And then Ohio State's against soaring off with another ridiculous class. I know that is really at the at the crux of a lot of issues here or for when people evaluate where Penn State is because you're looking at where are they versus the team that is dominating the conference right now and it doesn't look like that gap is getting smaller. That's where a lot of frustration comes through. Uh, but I think you're right. They also didn't they, – they stayed true to their their kind of stance on – wanting verifiable measurements and 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 wanting uh, to, to trust their intel on the ground. And there's certain guys and players that you and I both were in contact with at different phases of this recruiting cycle, particularly when official visits were maybe still on the stage and they would say, I want to take an official to Penn State. I'm really high on Penn State. I want to get there. And then we, I'd kind of circle back with you and say, this kid really likes Penn State. And you'd say, uh, he might be two inches shorter than he says. He might be, uh, you know, th- three tenths of a of a forty time off of what they what he's telling everybody. There's a lot of questions about that. And like you said, you get Harrison Wallace. They did a lot of, of background on him. You, you get Davon Townley. This was months in the making. It wasn't a guy who popped up late. Everybody else you've actually had on your campus, and and uh, so it, this is not a unique situation to Penn State. But uh, to, to put it together and get get to the line with sixteen players. Um, seems like they like all the guys. The misses were big, uh, but but we'll talk about this for years to come and the ramifications. And and again, I, I think across college football, if you thought the transfer portal was interesting this year, just wait because there are a lot of guys who signed with programs that they didn't get a chance to visit with, that they didn't really get a chance to know the staff uh, at a deep-rooted level like you normally would. And I just think that the, the freshman class exodus that we are probably going to see beginning next December and into January and into next spring is going to be a sight to behold and it's going to very much impact the way that that Penn State is going to approach its personnel uh, building as well because there's a lot of guys that that they would have loved to have gotten to campus over the course of that cycle. Maybe they didn't. Things just didn't materialize. But I think there's a lot of names still on the list that a year from now maybe could resurface for Penn State. Well, looking out my window, I, I think it's probably safe to say that Davon Townley may be a little bit more comfortable in, in State College mm. than uh, Harrison Wallace, who's coming up from Alabama with the uh, foot of snow that I'm looking at on top of my kid's playset. Uh, but no, it's uh, it's very interesting to see how this cycle will go. I, I can make arguments on both sides in the sense that maybe you did make a clear cut decision. I know, I know it's probably for guys that have seen more campuses. So, so guys that were, you know, early risers or earlier risers in their recruitment, guys that had offers, you know, back in last December and last February, things like that. And you got a chance to get out there and see some things. By the way, uh, February 1st marked the one year anniversary of the last time Penn State had more than one prospect on campus, uh, for a junior day. So that's, uh, that's pretty crazy to think about. Coming up on a lot of one year anniversaries of the last time we did certain anything things. Did, yeah, yeah, I mean, anything, it's anyone getting, did it's, anything. It's yeah, kind of the longevity no is, beca- is starting to really sink in. But yeah, it's it, it's really interesting to think that okay, maybe maybe they did the right research, and you you can always get caught up in uh, coaches when you see them on campus or visits and things like that. So maybe some kids made some clear decisions. I, I don't know that that's necessarily the case, but I think there's certainly an argument that could be made for that. So be interesting to see how this works. And again, the portal is not going away. It is so prevalent in in this college football recruiting game, and it's become a part when you when you factor in uh, the rules and how things go with the scholarships that these guys can take up and the, the initial counters, the hard caps, et cetera, it, it, it's going to factor more and more into recruiting every year. And I think Penn State, to their credit, has done a very good job with, with handling all that. All right. We have a lot on this class, a lot on the addition of Townley up on lines247.com. If you didn't get your fill from this conversation, uh, go check out the site, the message boards, uh, the conversation well underway about what to make of this class. So chime in there. Uh, we will return in just a moment, talk about the Penn State offensive coaching staff, a big departure, uh, an introductory press conference, all part of the package this week thus far on the Penn State Beat. Stay with us here on the Lions 24-7 podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Selling a little or a lot? 
Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. On the most recent episode of the Lions 24-7 podcast, we were talking about how things had seemingly kind of settled down from a coaching staff perspective across college football, but... The one thing you had to keep tabs on was NFL opportunities opening up. This was the time of year last year when you saw Sean Spencer, longtime assistant under James Franklin, defensive line coach, get that offer from the New York Giants and jump at it. Uh, we just saw something similar play out with a, an offensive coach on the Penn State staff, Tyler Bowen, uh, who was hired at the tail end of the 2017 year as tight ends coach. And um, we'll talk about in a moment how much more he has done beyond that, but certainly doing a great job with that position group. He will be joining Urban Meyer with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, Tyler Bowen, uh, can, uh, and, uh, I, I don't know if he's officially announced that yet, but it certainly has been confirmed here at Lions 24-7. Um, Sean, you broke the story on Monday evening, I believe it was. It was one that, uh, if, you know, for our folks on the message board, there was a lot of conversation about maybe a, a coach heading to the NFL. Turned out to be Tyler Bowen. Um, I guess instant reaction from you on this, a guy that I think just in general, we'll both miss seeing around campus and we'll both miss communicating with about, uh, Penn state. A couple things. Uh, I, I hate to see him go. I'm a big Tyler Bowen fan. As you know, you can probably pick that up from the podcast. You've been on the site, you know, I'm a big Tyler Bowen fan. I, I think he's a tremendous coach. I think he's a rising star. I think he's going to, you know, do very well in Jacksonville. And, and you know, I still haven't ruled out us seeing him back here calling the plays at some point. So hopefully, you know, that's a cycle that can come back around. Um, you know, he's still just, I think, 31, 32 years old. So, uh, you know, good for him. Uh, it's a good job. And I know that, that that's the thing. When I was talking on the board this offseason about Tyler Bowen, and it's been speculated he was going to go somewhere eventually, you know, he's on that upward trajectory, et cetera, et cetera. But it wasn't just going to take any job, was going to find, you know, the right thing and, you know, maybe not hook his wagon to a, to a program. And he's had offers. He had, he's had opportunities not hook his uh, you know wagon to a program or a coach that may be on the way out. Uh, Urban Meyer is not on the way out, obviously, and that's uh, that's something when you get a chance like this uh, to to coach in the NFL to not recruit, which you know he's a very good recruiter, but it, you know you give most ch- coaches the chance to coach with recruiting, coach without recruiting, they're going to pick that one. I do see more college coaches you know, matriculating to the NFL, especially with name, image, and likeness becoming a thing. That's a separate discussion here. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a good job for him. Uh, great opportunity. Uh, it's going to be tough to replace him. I think it's a big, uh, a big hit for Penn State staff. He was one of your top recruiters, if not your top recruiter. In a in a very important recruiting ground, especially in the in the DMV, tight end uh, under his watch or on his watch has been tremendous. I know a lot of that is Pat Frymuth, but you, you you like what you saw from Brenton Strange, you like what you saw from Theo Johnson. They've recruited the position extremely well, and now all of a sudden it's you're going to have to make a change there. So I think it's a big loss for Penn State. Um, I'm sorry to see him go. I like Tyler a lot as a person, in, in addition to um, being a, a great coach, but uh, it's going to be one that's going to be it's going to be tough to replace. I echo the, the sentiment on a, on a you know, personal level with this guy, you know, the established 
uh, his family here a bit in the last few years, and um, obviously a tremendous opportunity for him. And um, you, you look at the ascension, he was mentioned just a couple of years ago. When he was 29, he was on 24-7 Sports annual uh, 30 to no under 30 list, where you know our whole network it kind of taps in all the different resources and comes up with those names of, of, of guys who are on the rise. And he was on that list for a reason. He will turn 32, Sean, um, this upcoming summer. So a long way to go in his in his football career. And this is a big step forward. Uh, you know, Urban Meyer uh, plucking a, an assistant here from Penn State. I think he's got... How about that? How about that? I mean, <laughs> I don't want to put on a tinfoil hat here, but... The guy goes and he's is going to lay his hands right. off of Ohio State staff, and then he, I, I guess, reportedly interviewed a Michigan assistant this week. Is taking one of Penn State's best assistants with him? Come on, man, what, what are we doing here? Yeah, the, and he and he goes back to the old Ohio State staff and bringing Chris Ash into the Jacksonville Jaguars. But yeah, can't win them all. No, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, you know, that, that's obviously a, a, a bit of a pill to swallow for Penn State fans. And Tyler Bowen, I mean, look, he he was the tight ends coach, and you just talked about just sequentially the ability to go out and get a high caliber talent at that position. Add Khalil Dinkins to the list here in 2021. I know uh, speaking with Bowen back in in December. They think they got a, a really good one and, and, and a guy who may be able to get on the field as a freshman at some point in Dinkins. And and you look down the road here, a big part of that 2022 class is the tight end position. Jerry Cross out of Milwaukee. Uh, Holden stays out of Georgia. Uh, Bowen, of course, a Georgia native. Those are two four-star, two top ten prospects at the position. We got some questions to ask about where things stand with them moving forward with Bowen moving on. Um, but that's been great. But he's also been your offensive recruiting coordinator. He's the guy who steps up to the mic um, during that early signing period and, and speaks on behalf of what they did offensively uh, across different positions. Uh, he was a huge part of the process of bringing Landon Tengwall on board and beating out the likes of Michigan and Notre Dame in particular down the stretch of that recruitment because Bowen was really the first guy a, a, as an offensive line coach to, to be involved with Landon as a recruiter. Uh, Maryland offered him before anybody else did, I think, going into his freshman year. He ends up on the Penn State staff, and despite the, the change at offensive line coach going to Phil Troutline last winter, really the stabilizing presence there, Sean, for, for Tangwall and for Penn State was was Bowen being a part of that process, and, and Landon's told us about that in the past, and um, you know he able to, I think, also help stabilize things when they were undergoing a transition on the offensive line because of his experience at that position, and, and oh, by the way, in the Cotton Bowl, when he had a chance to call the plays uh, in between Ricky Ronnie and leaving and Kirk Sharaka just coming on board in December 2019, all they did was go out and set a Penn State postseason record for, for total rushing yards. So there's a lot to go down the list. It, it's, it, it, you'd think it was five or six years worth of work here at Penn State, but it was only three seasons. We're going to talk about another candidate and the lack of experience that he has and how that could be a deterrent for what Penn State wants to do in terms of this job in a second, but you kind of feel that way with Tyler Bowen in terms of being an offensive coordinator. You feel you've got this you know, this great up-and-comer, but doesn't have the experience calling plays, cotton bowl aside. So you bring in a guy, you know, last year was not the time for, for him with uh, with Kirk Shiraka coming on board, and you bring in Mike Yersich. So you wonder if Yersich is here for a couple of years, Bowen is off, you know, honing his craft to doing something else with the Jaguars or whoever, you know, it may be. Then all of a sudden, does Bowen come back around? Is that the right time? And I think that that's something you got to keep in mind. Um, I think he's a great fit. I mean, this is a guy played three years under James Franklin at Maryland. Uh, he was a graduate assistant. He coached under Joe Moorhead. There's just so many things going uh, for Tyler Bowen. I know James Franklin hates to lose him. Big Tyler Bowen fan just because there's so many things Excuse me. He knows Franklin. He knows the you know whatever offense they put in. He's going to learn it. He's going to know it. He's a great recruiter. He's a great offensive mind. It's just uh, you're losing a lot, and it's just a tight end coach. And I say that in the sense that a tight end coach is usually uh, a, you know more of an entry level job. It's one of those guys that's probably the lowest rung on the coaching staff. Maybe the lowest paid. Maybe the youngest guy you get in there. Um, but Tyler Bowen, I think, was was a lot more than that. It's going to be very tough to replace him. Um, I think they're going to move quickly on the replacement. I mean. This is something that you know Penn State found out about late last week, and 
something that kind of crawled along slowly until we had to put the story out on Monday night. Um, but uh, it's going to be, uh, you know, something where Franklin is going to talk to a lot of young guys, going to talk to a lot of old guys. The pandemic has changed things in the sense that there's a lot of unemployed veteran coaches out there that are, that are you know, hungry for jobs right now. So you've got to balance and, and figure out what the next step is. I do, you know, I know everybody's thinking it. I do believe Adam Brenneman is a candidate. I don't know that he's the number one guy, but I, I, I believe a lot of things are going his way. And what I just said about Bowen, the lack of experience at that level, the lack of, you know, being a big time play caller, et cetera, et cetera. You can almost scale that down to Adam Brenneman for the lack of experience being a position coach at Division One. He was just elevated from graduate assistant to tight ends coach. Herm Edwards, by the way, extremely high on Adam Brenneman, does not want to let him go if that's a possibility. Um, but yeah, I think that, that he's going to be a candidate. I think you're going to see a lot of uh, younger guys that, you know, some guys that have coordinator experience, some guys that have NFL experience. We just put up a, a sort of a list on lines247.com this morning, uh, you know, looking at taking a deeper look at some candidates. Um, and it's, you know, I could see it coming from a couple of different places. Yeah. Brenneman, uh, 25 years old. Uh, he'll be 26 in March. I think that makes, uh, makes him like one year older than Antonio Shelton, who just went off to complete his college career with the Florida Gators. I think he's 24 at opening kickoff this year. So yeah, it kind of gives you some perspective on how early he is and by the way, he's on the 2021 uh, installment or 2020 installment of 24-7 Sports 30 Under 30, and he could be on that list for the next four or five years, I guess, uh, for Adam Brenneman. Um, you know, w- with Bowen moving forward, I mean, look, uh, there's certainly this is a guy I think I, I get the vibes at least, Sean, that this is a guy who can become a head coach someday, the way he carries himself. Uh, the way his players talk about him, the way he can recruit. Um, there's obviously a ton that goes into that CEO role as a head coach, but what a position for him to potentially be in. Jacksonville bringing in a number one pick. We think it will be Trevor Lawrence working under a guy like Urban Meyer, adding that guy uh, to the name of, of, of coaches he has worked under. It's going to be a heck of a resume if it goes well. And I'm just going to throw this out here right now. Not going to be the last time this gets speculated on, uh, but the Jaguars pick number 33 NFL.com just put out a, a list of their top 50 prospects. They've got Pat Frymuth at number 38. Just just putting that out there. Yeah, I mean, that's... Uh, that's a bromance, too. I mean, we know I, that's a bromance. Tyler Bowen, Pat Frymuth, those two guys love each other. Yeah, that was very clear over the course of the of the recruitment. I could see Pat Frymuth coaching for Tyler Bowen someday down the line, but maybe maybe he'll be playing for him again. Just Just something that'll be fun to talk about in the next few months. I don't think Tebow is going to win that argument to to take Firemuth number one overall. But yeah, I think that, <laughs> you know, if, if what they're going to do, and and you know, you look at where they're picking, and that that spot um, at the top of the second round is always a prime. You know, somebody trading up yeah. for that that pick, or the the at least there's rumors about it. So it could be an opportunity for them to move back, uh, you know, into the 40s or something, and maybe still get Pat Firemuth there because obviously coming off the injury, you know, there might be questions that move him down a couple of picks and things like that. I know I would take him there, um, but that that. It'll be interesting. And you look at what Jacksonville has at tight end, and it's not much. Uh, I think Tyler Eifert is the starter. And to be honest with you, I think I discovered Tyler Eifert's burner account uh, because someone came into my mentions firing off about Tyler Eifert for no particular reason yesterday. <laughs> so uh, that was pretty funny to find out. But no, not a lot uh, not a lot going on at tight end right there in Jacksonville. But as a team that won one game, obviously they have a bunch of needs. So it's hard to say if they can go that direction in round two or not. But uh, yeah, you know, good for Bowen. Uh, like I said, I think they're going to try and move fast, but not, uh, not recklessly. I mean, this is not a time, especially with with no visits on campus and things like that. It's not a time that you have to rush into to making a hire. So, uh, you know, James Franklin's done, you know, he's, he's had some hits, he's had some misses, but, uh, you know, he's, I think he's done a pretty good job in, in hiring some guys uh, that fit what he's trying to do. And, and, and again, tight end coach, man, that could be a, a guy that comes out of an analyst role or excuse me, a GA role, an analyst role, a young role like, like Brenneman, or it could be a guy that's been, you know, in the, in the league for a while, or just been coaching and bouncing everywhere. So not really sure where it's going to come from, but we should hear probably in the next week or so. Well, that leaves all of a sudden Jaywan Sider as like the, the, the old head on the coaching staff in terms of who's been around campus for a while. And it just feels like Jaywan Sider's kind of just getting, you know, just getting on the ground here at Penn State. But uh, there's been so much changeover last offseason, of course, this offseason. And a big part of that was Kirk Shiraka being here and then being gone. And in and, and, and about 13 months less than that, um, as offensive coordinator and as quarterbacks coach. And we got a chance to, 
to get to know a little bit, uh, Mike Yersich, the offensive, new offensive coordinator, spent last year with the Texas Longhorns, um, has history recently with the Ohio State Buckeyes, Oklahoma State, uh, a lot of success uh, in some of those recent stops. But uh, this is a guy who James Franklin, to make a move like this and, and also you know, being correlated with, with dismissing Kirk Shiraka so quickly, this is one that's under the microscope. It was Kirk Shiraka under the microscope all off offseason last year. Um, now step on up Mike Yersich and, and I'll preface this by saying 25, 30 minutes of uh, an introductory press conference did not gather much, Mr. Fitz. You are very, very nice. Um, I'm, I'm not the beat, you're the beat writer, so I'm not going to get in trouble for this. There was not much in that, in that press conference that's useful to us. There's a lot of newspaper type fluff that we, you know, how does this work and how does that work? And how did you come find James Franklin, et cetera, et cetera. And, I, and we know that's really not what our fans are, are really caring about, to be honest with you. Um, so you can say it nicely. I'll say it in a different way. It wasn't very helpful from what we do now. You know, there's still a bunch of, of stuff that you can glean out of it and take away from it. Um, you know, when you decline to talk about the guys that are on campus, you kind of, uh, Mike Yersich kind of plays into that a little bit, but at the same time, uh, there's not a ton, uh, just cause I actually had to ask you for storylines out of it because it was just like, <laughs> okay, what, what the hell are we talking about here with fullbacks and with under center and all that kind of stuff. And I know that those questions are, are ones that come up every time a new offensive coordinator comes in, but, uh, the useful stuff was few and far between in this in this press conference. It was reinforced that points are an important part of the offensive process and uh, explosive plays and lack of turnovers. And those are the things that we hear from James Franklin and saying those three elements in particular, the ability to produce in the red zone, cutting down on unnecessary mistakes uh, that, that, that lose you possessions and cost you points, and then additionally producing explosive plays. And, and we didn't really get a definition from, from Mike on, on what, how he defines those explosive plays. I know uh, everyone seems to, to kind of have a different view on what those means and how they can impact things for you, but nothing earth-shattering there. I, I will say it was a bit jarring to, to see the new offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach spend that long talking about offense and talking about what he expects from quarterback play without referencing the name of the guy who's on campus right now and has started 20 games for this Penn State football program and Sean Clifford. But at the same time, we didn't hear him say the words Jahan or Noah or Theo or Brenton or Rashid. There was no name of any individual guy. And he said he felt like it was being fair to himself to, to go through some spring ball, which looks like it will happen this year, barring something bad. Um, and, and before he starts to really dive into these guys and who they are individually and whether that's critical conversation or, I guess, praise as well. But um, you know, part of this was an issue of the questions not being asked. You know, no one asked about the fact that Jahan Dotson, your number one target, turned down an NFL opportunity and you've inherited a number one target because of that. No one asked about the fact that Sean Clifford has started those 21, 20 games in his career and no one else in the room has completed a college pass. No one asked about the fact that since he arrived on campus, two scholarship quarterbacks have left campus. So here Tyler, we are. Tyler didn't get a question, by the way. I don't know if you picked up on that. <laughs> Mark got a question, and it was, and it actually did get a response, uh, a little bit of, of insight into the advantages of Christian Veyu getting to campus early. And I think it's probably um, a, a kind of a conversation that could have been applied to any quarterback in, in America. It wasn't necessarily particular to Penn State situation. Just saying that uh, it's almost impossible for a quarterback who doesn't enroll early to really put themselves in a position of trust as a true freshman. Um, and then he went along to say, you know, he could be a guy who competes for the backup role. He could be a, a guy who competes to contribute. He could be a guy who competes to be the guy. You know, it, 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 there just wasn't a lot out of this. And I understand where Mike Yersich is coming from with this. Um, you know, the nice thing was last year with, with Kirk Shiraka, at least he gave us some initial thoughts on what he has seen on film from uh, from Sean Clifford. And then he stopped short of going too far down the road with a Will Levis or a Taquan Roberson because he said there was no game film. And I completely understand him not going on and on about Taquan Roberson, who we don't know anything about. We spent a lot of time on the last episode discussing how we haven't seen him in two years on campus. And I certainly can't fault him for not going deep down the path uh, with Christian Veyu, who he's really just getting to know and 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 that's going to take time. And, and he didn't play a senior year. So you're going back to 2019 to get a look at this kid in football pads. But 
Yeah, a bit strange uh, not not to hear any kind of insight at all in in the quarterback who is still there um, and has started those 20 games in the Big Ten. I, I understand the approach, but I also think Mike Yersich probably understands the kind of you know, the, the kind of stuff you can take that conversation when you're not going to to say the name Sean Clifford on, on your first call, that's going to drive the narrative a certain kind of way. You feel better? <sighs> Might need to go make a few more message board posts on the live updates thread, but <laughs> we'll see. Okay, good. Um, yeah, so so not a ton coming out of that. Of course, uh, you know, you, you said you were going to pass it to me for the fullback monologue. And, yes, And, you know, go. he kind of admitted, uh, like I tell my kids, that all squares are rectangles. All rectangles are not squares. I think you can make a tight end a fullback, but you can't necessarily make a fullback a tight end. So uh, I think that that's, uh, that's a decision that's going to, you know, probably not, we probably won't hear, or probably won't see much of it. We probably hear a lot of it. We probably won't see much of it. Um, you know, maybe go under center. That could be something that you comes I, i've never been a you know against going under center i think there's a time for it but i think that that you know that they'd like to and james franklin excuse me uh mike yaris mentioned that you know you're sort of meshing elements with what james franklin's like to do in the past and that's been a shotgun team so i don't think you're going to see a ton of change in that but be interesting to see which which direction this offense goes and uh, i think i'll i'll be interested to see what kind of influence mike yaris has over the tight end hire, over, you know, a lot of things going on in the program. Um, but they seem excited. They seem invigorated. They seem, you know, there seems to be a level of energy. You know, I don't know if you watched the um, short video that they put out when Townley uh, committed. You know, it seems to be a level of energy, sort of a rejuvenation. So hopefully we can see that move forward and and have other effects with uh, with the program. Now, this is sort of stemming off of Yursich and it goes into, um, you know, really back into the Will Levis stuff that we talked about last week. I think you do have to, you know, take a more serious look at the transfer portal. Not that they weren't doing that to begin with, but I think it gives you some time and gives you some, um, you know, uh, at least some wiggle room to go out and try and find a transfer quarterback, probably going to be after the spring. Um, but a guy that's a little bit older that can come in and, and compete and maybe not be the starter right away or anything like that, but could come in and compete. So I think that that really opens things up for Mike Yersich a little bit in terms of what he's able to do. And as we saw this week, uh, the weekend into this week with 2022 quarterbacks, seems like they're going to, you know, try and add another guy to Bo Perbulo to that mix, offered Drew Alar in in Ohio, uh, offered Cade Kludnick in, in Texas. So I think there will be more offers that come from that 2022 class as he decides to get a hold on what he wants for building that room back up. Yeah, Drew Alar, by the way, Michigan offers, Texas A&M offers on the heels of that Penn State uh, scholarship. And and so he's, he's a guy that's generating significant buzz now. And um, you, you mentioned the offer down in Texas. Uh, that's a kid I, I caught up with a bit this week. Um, you know, some familiarity, familiarity there with Yursich. And, and we spent a lot of time on the quarterback discussion, what it looks like right now on our last episode. So if you missed that, uh, probably, you know, stemming off of the, of the Levis transfer news, 25 minutes of just quarterback conversation on the last episode. So I don't want to kind of retrace our footsteps too much, but this was the first chance to, to, to speak with Mike Yersich in, in a media session. We probably won't get another one until I would guess April, maybe, maybe toward the end of spring practice. And that's something that he referenced was the importance of gaining those reps, something that Kirk Shiraka did not have that had his disposal going into the 2020 season. I think that you saw some of the ramifications. I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, th- there's no way to catch up on those reps. There's no way to make up for it. Um, you know, last year he said he dealt with it at Texas, not having spring practices and 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 what that meant, and what he learned from it. And I'm sure, like everybody here on Penn State staff, hopes he doesn't have to repeat that experience. We, we've heard optimism about getting these 15 practices practices in during the course of the spring maybe not a blue white game probably not a blue white game as we know it um but just the ability to go out there and and get some work with his quarterbacks and with his other offensive staff it's just it's going to be huge you certainly hope it happens just for for the quality of play and for for the quality of conversation here on the podcast that we get to talk about spring practices um but, but sean i think you know one thing that stood out here to me from the conversation was, you know, this felt like maybe it was in the cards for a while between James Franklin and Mike Yersich. Maybe it wasn't going to happen in any particular year, but they crossed paths enough. They had enough conversations. And you, and you talked about this before when they hired Yersich 
Um, you know, this is not a, a name that just popped up for James Franklin. It's a guy that he has targeted or, or at least had the dialogue with in the past about maybe joining forces here. And, and it comes to fruition in January of 2021. Uh, but as Mike said during this call, you know, there's been a lot of kind of intertwining of their careers that where this makes sense that it was maybe a, not an inevitable conclusion, but a likely kind of outcome. It all comes back to the PSAC. James Franklin, of course, uh, has got his East Stroudsburg roots. Yursich last at Shippensburg, at Edinburgh as well. Uh, so, you know, it's, uh, it, all, it all always comes back to the PSAC. But this is a guy that he wanted when he hired Kirk Shiraka. Ohio State wasn't going to let that happen. Uh, Texas came in, made a big money offer, and, and that's how it works. It doesn't hurt that Texas is still paying Mike Yursich. So uh, I think things, you know, the timing finally sh- uh, just sort of aligned with, uh, with what he was able to do what James Franklin was able to do to bring him in. And, you know, hopefully it's a, it's a good marriage and hopefully it's an, it's an opportunity for Penn state to play some entertaining football. Got the full uh, press conference video. I don't know if I, if I pushed anyone towards watching it, uh, but he did he did cover a lot of ground. If you just want to get into some offensive philosophy, I feel confident that we have not pushed any yeah. anyone into watching that entire video. But so if you don't want to take our word for it, the full video is up on lines twenty four seven You can still click on it. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> click on it. Let it play in another tab. Whatever you want to do. Um, but yeah, we we will we'll learn a lot more about Mike Yersich, and it'll be interesting to start to get some feedback as player availability pops up up later in the semester um, and, and and you know just to get a better feel for, for the impact here but just not a ton of details coming out of our initial conversation here uh, we, we look forward to, to getting gaining more of those as things progress um, that's going to do it for this episode Sean we, we covered the national signing day which you know was was kind of a one and done situation not something that we see often I think the only other time it's been that result was back in 2018 when Rashid Walker was the cherry on top for that 2018 recruiting class. Um, this time it's Dave Tally Again, a bunch of stuff up on the site for that. Anything else to add before we step away? Not particularly. I think it's a, you know, it's a solid close. Obviously, you missed out on a bunch of guys throughout this cycle, but uh, can't be overstated. And, and you're going to look at 2022 as a, another good opportunity at defensive end. Joe Strickland, by the way, we I don't think I mentioned this the first time around. Four-star defensive end from Indiana was on campus over the weekend. Of course, deny Dennis Sutton. Uh, huge, huge target for Penn State. Can't say that enough. And some some other really good defensive ends on the board. So I guess we'll probably be able to judge John Scott a little bit more by uh, what he does in 2022. And and we'll see how that, that entire cycle goes. And I didn't mention it during, um, we we're talking about Tyler Bowen, but obviously you got to you know, keep an eye on Jerry Cross and Holden stays, uh, you know, figure out what they're thinking in terms of, uh, of what, uh, what they want to do, because obviously Tyler Bowen was a big, big part of what they were trying to do. So wouldn't be surprised if those guys, you know, you know, checked out, at least checked out other options, whether that be public or not, it's hard to say, but you know, you will see some changes from, from this 2022 as, as a result of Bowen leaving. We do have some coverage for 2022 prospects, some updates, uh, talk to a four-star lineman who wants to get an official visit when that can happen. Um, some of those stories are already up on the site. Some of them we're still working on. I think we're going to have Joe Strickland on a phone call maybe as soon as uh, within an hour or two of this recording. So stay tuned for some of that stuff um, up on lines247.com. For now, on behalf of Sean Fitz, I'm Tyler Donahue. Thanks, as always, for listening to the Lions 24-7 podcast. Be sure to drop your five-star mailbag question, something we did not get to this episode. We will next episode drop that on apple podcast with a five-star rating and review we'll talk to you all real soon you can now relive the best moments of the uefa champions league 24 7 the uefa champions league channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals highlights and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.